You're listening to the Live Church Livonia podcast, a show where you can hear the teachings from our weekend gatherings. You can catch the full service on our Facebook or YouTube and head over to our website if you'd like to give. Here we're real people following a real God and experiencing real life. Welcome to Life Church Livonia. Hey, good morning, Life Church. I'm so glad to be with you. My name is Alex Rahill. I'm one of the pastors here. And if it seems like I'm tilted a little bit, you need to go reach your monitor and twist it like this because it's your monitor or your TV. No, I'm just kidding. I got a little bit of a pinched nerve on my back. So if it looks like I'm tilting, don't let that distract you. I'm going to be fine. And uh, God's word is powerful. And I'm so glad we get to be here today. In person, we are... um, We have four baptisms today, and our message today is called Vital Signs, and we're going to be talking about what are those signs of life uh, that we should be on the lookout for uh, in um, God's church and his people. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been close to a person who has died? I can remember I worked not far from where we're currently meeting at a senior care facility when I was a teenager. And there was this, uh, all these beautiful people who were in the latter part of their life. And I remember Mrs. M and she was this spunky little uh, lady who was, had a lot of mirth and laughter and she'd shuffle along and, and uh, she just was a joy. And I remember when my friend Joe came to get me and said, Mrs. M died. And I was like, what? And we ran over to her, uh, apartment uh, connected to the facility uh, in time to see uh, the um, uh, ambulance bringing her body out there, putting her on a gurney and and bringing her out. And I could already tell she was different. Um, That mirth, that laughter, that joy was was gone. And um, she was, uh, appeared, uh, her color appeared diminished and she was unresponsive. And that's the thing when we with someone who's dead. They're cold. They're not communicative. They're unresponsive. And we notice this and, and we um, uh, can see that. And in the Bible, uh, we're told that the same thing about death is true of every person. That we are spiritually dead uh, to God. We're unresponsive to God. And apart from divine intervention, God moving in our life, we stay in that place. Look at what Colossians 2.13 says. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. The Bible says there was a time where every one of us was dead because of our sins. We were unresponsive to God. There was a time in probably all of our lives uh, that you can remember where you didn't seek to hear God's voice. You weren't trying to act on God's wisdom. You weren't looking for his guidance or his warnings. There was a time in in everyone's life where they were totally unresponsive to God. Looking at that verse again, Paul says in Colossians 2, uh, you were dead because of your sins. And so this is our actions. There's behaviors we've done, words we've said, things we've thought, um, uh, things we've done that we know were wrong. We're dead because of our sins and because of your sinful nature. And and the sinful nature is where our actions come from. It's our being, it's our 
essence. It's like a disease that we can't get rid of. And so, and he said, you're dead because those things were not yet cut away, not taken away. And he said, our sinful actions, they make us dead to God and they lead us down a path away from him. And so the longer you and I, we do life without God, um, the more dead we are to him, the more unresponsive we are to him, the longer our sinful nature is in control, the deeper those roots go, don't they? Think about your life as a kid and then as a teenager and then as a young adult. And I want you to think for a minute, did you ever do anything really wrong or stupid or out of your mind? I know I did. In in your teens, your 20s, your college years, I, I, um, I've heard this story, uh, this kind of story a lot of times, but I can remember talking to a young man named Jim and, uh, I spoke to him a few years ago and Jim started hanging out with a new group of friends and he got a new job and he started drinking and, and doing drugs. He started crossing lines sexually. He never thought he would, he would do, he ended up doing things and, and he confessed to me with kind of panic. He said, I remember I woke up in a house in a strange house, in a strange room, and I didn't have any clothes on. And I couldn't remember what I did the night before. And I was so scared and I felt so ashamed. I felt like throwing up. He was out of control. Have you ever done something like that? This isn't a new path. This is an old path. And this happens to a lot of people. Um, I call this younger sibling death. If you know the story of the prodigal son, which we won't get into, but basically there's two sons and they both are missing out on, uh, they're not responsive to the father, to God. And the younger sibling death is the wildlife, but then there's older sibling death too. And that's a person who maybe does things that are socially acceptable and, and they look good on the outside, but it's all about them. It's not about their relationship to the father or anything else. It's about their work. It's about their money. It's about their family. It's about their kids. It's about their investments, their retirement, their vacation. And, and on the surface, nothing appears wrong. But it, you go one layer deep and it's completely self-centered, not God-centered. And uh, they're unresponsive to God as well, that person. And that's a much more common person in many fat. I mean, they're both very prevalent in our culture because those are the two ways all of us go as we miss God and as we live a dead life. And it's not about, when we live that way, it's not about God's kingdom. It's about building our castle. The first commandment says this, keep God first. You shall have no other gods before me. And this person um, uh, does things that are, they're not outwardly sinful, but God's never first in their life. They're unresponsive to him and they're dead to him. And if there's no redirection in someone's life, and we go on and on like that, and we live that life, then we end up with the ultimate nightmare. We lived a life totally unresponsive to God on this earth, and then we die, and we go into the next life, and we live a life totally separated from God there because God honors our choice. Part of us being made in his image is he's given us a free will. And if we don't want to be with God, he is going to honor that choice. And we call that place where people are eternally separated from God. It's called hell in scripture. And you would never want to go there. Nobody wants to go there. You just drift toward there oftentimes. And one thing you never want to do is to die while you're still dead to God. That's a terrible plan. And the Bible says you, you and I, we have to understand how dangerous this is if, when we stay dead to God. Because it can cost us in this life, 
and it costs us everything in the next life. So Paul then turns a corner. He says, you were dead in sin. And we're like, yeah, I get that. And he goes, then at your worst, then when everything seemed lost, then God broke in. Then God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all our sins. What a beautiful gift and promise that God meets us in the midst of our darkest, deepest death. He, makes, he made us alive with Christ. And you may be here today and God is pressing on your heart right now. Do, don't ignore that. Everybody has a then day. We were dead, then we were made alive. And this might be your then moment. And I want, I want to invite you just to fully pr- live into that and press into that. This is a beautiful text, and this text is actually referencing one of the most beautiful truths of the Christian faith, and it's called the doctrine of regeneration. It means to be born new. It means to be brought from death to life, this idea of regeneration. And it's when God puts his finger on a spiritually dead heart and makes it spiritually alive. It's when God uh, washes away the sin and cuts away the sin of a a heart that's um, been far from him and gives people a new heart where you're still yourself, fully yourself, but you're alive in Christ. And so people who are disinterested in God's love and they don't have any desire for his wisdom and they're going their own way, at some point, God just stands and he knocks and he says, I love you and I can make you alive again. Do you want that? Are you ready for that? You can wake up. You can be responsive to me. You can enter into the life that's truly life. So here's my next question. Are you spiritually alive? Are you sure you're alive? Because is it possible that you might think you're alive, but be dead to God? And I don't want anybody to be confused about this. I think that would be the greatest uh, um, sin. And this would just be a terrible miscarriage of life and and what God wants for you to think you're alive and to actually be dead. So I don't want anybody to be confused about this. So let's go back to the illustration of dead person. If I had a dead person up here and a living person right here, and we weren't playing any games, could you tell me which one was dead and which one was alive? And you'd say, yeah, I probably could. Um, people who are physically alive have vital signs. They have the, um, vita comes from the Latin word life. They have these life signs, signs of life. For example, you touch one and they'd be cold and the other one, they'd be warm. Um, you, one has a pulse, one has blood pressure, one is breathing, the other one's not breathing. One eats and communicates, the other one's not. One responds to stimuli, uh, the light, or, or if, you, if you were to touch them or poke them, and the other one doesn't, they're unresponsive. People who are physically alive have physical signs of life. And the Bible says the same is true spiritually. People who are spiritually alive have spiritual vital signs. They're spiritually alive. Look at how Paul says it in 2 Corinthians 5.17. He says, what this means is that those who become Christians become new persons. They are not the same anymore. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. He's saying that if someone is spiritually alive, if someone's in Christ, they're a new creation. They're made new by God. Their old life is gone and a new life has begun. And Paul's saying that in multiple ways, you can have signs that you're alive right now. You can see things or observe things that tell you whether you're dead or alive. 
Certain old ways of living are gone and certain new ways of living have come into be. And so I want to be really clear. This might be even painful, but we want to press in because it would be tragic for anybody to leave our time together this morning and not know if they're spiritually dead or alive. I think everyone should be able to walk out of here and know what we are, where we stand. So someone who is dead thinks a certain way. They act a certain way toward the next couple of topics we're going to bring up. But someone who is alive thinks another way. And they feel differently about these same five vital signs that we're going to talk about this morning. And when we talk about these vital signs, they are not the root of someone's new life or the root of your salvation. They're the fruit of your salvation. They're the fruit of new life. They demonstrate that it's there. So when we're talking about being spiritually alive, our thinking changes about some things. Our attitude changes about things. First one is worship. Worship is a sign of life. Worship is celebrating who God is and what he's done. And someone who's dead to God doesn't really worship. They don't really think about that. In fact, someone who's dead to God, instead of adoring God and wanting to thank God for his goodness, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. That the, the person who's received new life is so grateful to God for their new life. But Someone who's spiritually dead, they might even, again, think they're following God or they might go to church. But, it, um, but instead of worshiping God, their life is characterized by grumbling or complaining about what God hasn't done for them. And so when they're thinking about God, um, which again, we might have uh, complaints or, or hurts in our life that we should be able to go to God with. That's absolutely true. But most of the time is our life complaining about what God hasn't done and our disappointment or is it gratitude toward who he is and what he's done? So the person who's dead, I didn't get that raise, God, you let me down. I didn't get that new position. You, 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 know, you, you always give me the short end of the stick. I prayed that you'd help my aunt who's struggling with this or that, and you didn't. And there are people who are going around, and they may not curse his name, but they're just going, God, you screwed up. God, you let me down. God, you're not faithful. And we can, again, can bring our complaints to God, but those are not the core of our words to God. At the core of someone who's spiritually alive is this gratitude, this thanksgiving. And we come into worship, you want to sing those songs because you're thinking about the good things God has done for you. And, um, and I got to tell you, the last few, we've been in person the last few weeks and online, but as we've worshiped in person, it's just been so life-giving to me, and I've been so grateful to be together. Uh, masks and all, it's been great to be together. And I, 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 every people I'm talking to say, yeah, I just, it's so good to be worshiping together. So you, that's the first sign. If you are uh, worshiping God and want to kind of uh, love God and you want to express that to God and say, God, I love you, I'm grateful to you, that's a sign of life. If you're not feeling like that or thinking like that or ever have, then you need to pay attention to your vital sign because you may not be spiritually alive. Because if you knew God's love for you, you'd want to worship him. The second thing is the Bible. And uh, now you take someone who's dead to God and they may see the Bible and they go, I respect that book or I have friends who read it. Uh, you know, nowadays even more than ever, it's like, well, I don't even know that any of that's true. And that's okay. You can kick the tires. You're, you're, you know, you, you're not a person of faith. You haven't come to understand who God is. But the, Jesus said, we have been given this word of God. 
And, um, and if we're spiritually alive, we suddenly have a changed attitude toward God's word. Um, Jesus said it like this, mankind shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. What happens when we come to faith and we become spiritually alive is we realize God has given us this word and it sustains us. It's like food for our soul. People don't live by bread alone, but by the word of God. And Jesus is saying here, just like you live by physical bread, physically, the word of God, it gives you a life and a vitality that you don't get anywhere else. And so when you're spiritually alive, you start reading or listening to the Bible, to the word of God, and you start realizing God is communicating to me through this word. I have a word that's encouraging me today, giving me hope today, giving me clarity today, giving me guidance today. And you want to listen to the Bible being taught. You're, you're here right now. And what we want to do is we want to hear what God's word says about these things. That's why scripture is central to everything we do. We want to make sure we're reading the word of God together and talking about that, not just nice thoughts from well-meaning people. And you want to know God's word better. And I do too. And so someone invites you to a Bible study where you're going to t- read scripture and talk about it and learn and apply it to our lives. And you're like, I'd love to do that. I would love to learn more about God and and his principles for life and for living the way I was created to. You know, God's word talks about every important thing in our life. It talks about why you were made. It talks about relationships and how to have healthy ones. It talks about marriage and family. It talks about work. God's word is so full of wisdom and truth for our lives. And someone who's spiritually alive knows that and wants that. They have a hunger for it. The third thing that's a vital sign is the church. And, um, and one of the things that happens is we want to gather with God's people. When we're spiritually alive, we are told you and I are not orphans. We are, we are uh, incorporated. We're going to do baptisms today. And baptism is about um, dying to our sin and rising to new life. But it's more than that. It's not a, just an individualistic exercise or ritual what it is, is it's you died to your old life and you're in, you've been raised to new life in Christ and you've been incorporated into God's family. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says, haven't we all been baptized into one body? And this idea that we are part of God's, the new family of Jesus, the church. And when we're spiritually alive, we want to be able to uh, meet with other people who are following Christ like we are. Now, you might be surprised that um, there are people who go to church and that doesn't mean they're spiritually alive. They, they may do it out of habit, right? Now, I think we're losing that through COVID. I think that's peeled back, but people go to the gym, they go to the doctor's office, they go to work, and they may go to church. But people who are spiritually alive realize this. The church is the hope of the world. The church is God's plan. It's his conduit for spreading his goodness into this world. It's the hands and feet of Jesus. Jesus is the head of the church and we are his body. And it's the gathering of God's family. And you and I are a part of it when we do this. And God put his hand on the church and he says, this is what I'm going to bless and change the world through the church. Now, Jesus is building his church. Are you joining him in his work? And let me just say something. I've observed two groups of people, kingdom buyers and kingdom builders. Kingdom buyers feel a need. They want to see a ministry or something. Maybe they want to see a homeless outreach, or maybe they want to see a Bible study, or maybe they want to see a youth ministry or something. But they don't, 
they feel a need for it, but they don't want to build it. They want to buy it. They just want to go somewhere where that's already in place. I don't want to, I don't want to have to give any sweat equity or investment there. And that can be a very consumeristic model. Now, people can go to church and they have great ministries and there's nothing wrong with that. But we need to pay attention because you weren't meant to be a kingdom buyer or consumer. You were meant to be a kingdom builder, a contributor. And there are other people, and maybe right now you're feeling a prompting or a need. Hey, I'd love to see this ministry. And the Holy Spirit's putting that in your heart. And, and you should be thinking, maybe God is, wants me to be a part of building that ministry here. I have talked to so many people who love the ministry at Bear Lake Bible Camp, and that's an aspect of the church. I got to tell you, when Marcy and I started um, directing there 30 plus years ago with Bob and others, there were, <laughs> a lot of these ministries weren't there. Those were built by faithful people over time. So today people love to go there. And God may be laying on your heart. I want you to join me in building something beautiful in my church, building this beloved community so the world can see the love and the life and the light of Jesus. And when you're spiritually alive, you look forward to being a part of the church. The fourth thing is prayer. Um, this is another vital sign. It's a sign of life. Someone who's spiritually dead, they might respect prayer. They just don't do it. Why would they? Why am I just talking to the walls or anything else? But someone who's spiritually alive realizes prayer is the heart and soul of their relationship with God now. They realize that God tells us to call on him and he will answer us. What a promise. Think about that promise. Call on me and I will answer you, says the Lord. Spiritually alive, people have begun to realize that they can pray all the time. Scripture tells us pray without ceasing. And they have faith that God is with them and he's with you if you're spiritually alive right now. He hears them and he hears you and he answers prayer. And prayer draws us close to God. The church has been revived through prayer and the commitment of people like you. I look at this church and, and we were all wondering what was going to happen a year and a half ago. Are we even going to stay together, stay alive, stay open? And yet through the prayers and commitments of people like you, this church has been rebuilt and revived and there's a renewal going on. I'm excited, so excited about what God's doing. But let me tell you this, it's coming out of prayer. We're seeking God, saying, please, Lord, you know we don't have what it takes, but you do. Please, Lord, put your spirit in us, build your church, and we just want to be obedient and go forward with you. I got to tell you, we're praying for a building and, and a place where we can expand our ministry. We haven't even done a building campaign yet, but you know what? As we've been praying that God would provide and direct us, over $85,000 have come in from people saying, look, I'm in this with you. I'm ready to expand this ministry with you. And that's all through prayer that God would provide for his church. It's not about me. It's not about any one person. It's about you and I as the family of God following Jesus and believing God in prayer. Where do you need to pray a prayer this week? Asking God to meet you. When you're spiritually alive, you realize that prayer is the game changer. It changes things. And I wish we had more time. The last thing I want to talk about is this. Fifth vital sign, sin. And you're like, whoa, I, you know, I get it. I get the, the first worship. I get that. Okay. And um, the Bible, I get that. The church, I get that. Prayer, I get that. What about sin? And here's the deal. There's something critical. When someone's spiritually alive, it changes their attitude towards sin. And understanding who 
they are made to be. You are made to be like Jesus. You are being transformed into someone who's holy and it changes the way we view sin. Look at what 1 John 3, 9 says. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. When someone's born of God, look at that, what that verse says. When they are spiritually alive, they now have a, we have a new nature. And God's nature is living inside of us through the Holy Spirit. And it changes how we respond to sin. Slowly, we begin to, um, uh, sin begins to leave our life, just like dead leaves, just like dead skin. This sin begins to leave, leave our life. And when we sin, the thing that, one of the first thing that changes is we get convicted by the Holy Spirit. There are things maybe we did when we were spiritually dead. We're like, that never bothered me before. But now that I'm following Jesus, I suddenly feel bad about this thing. That's a sign of God working in you. It's called conviction. And it's a sign that God is working in you. So the Satan wants you to feel bad and guilty. And, and again, we, we should when we're doing the wrong thing. But the reason you feel like that, if as that's changed, is because God is purifying you. That's the beautiful thing. And maybe it's the way we talk at work. Maybe it's the way we look at the members of the opposite sex. Maybe it's the way we respect the people in our family. I don't know what the thing is, but God's going to convict us because he's transforming us. And it's a sign of his work in our lives. The second thing is, as you and I surrender and submit ourselves to God, uh, he, we begin to truly change. There's the old is beginning to go. It doesn't go all at once and the new is beginning to come and Jesus changes. Look at what John says again, that a person who is born again has new spiritual seed. I want you to, if you're reading your Bible, circle that word. Seed is the life generating and growing power within them. This seed that God is bringing something new to life and is bringing fruit out of someone's life. And it means that the pattern of their life is not going to be one of continuing in sin but repenting, saying, God, I'm sorry, and turning toward God and growing to become more like Christ. Are you starting to understand the difference between someone who's dead to God and someone who's alive to God? Are you getting this? This is so important. I wish I had time to mention other things like conflict and resolving conflict. And we do that differently now. And anxiety and how we respond to being anxious and fearful or serving and mission, which are critical other signs of life that we serve now. Or love, joy, peace. These are all signs of life. And God wants them to be manifest in your life. And baptism is another sign of life. And we're about to... Um, perform some baptisms uh, in just a few minutes. Um, but here's the question I want to leave you with. I want you to ask this question of yourself. Am I spiritually dead or alive? And if you're like, I'm dead, I, I, this, is, this can be your then moment. I had my then moment. Every person who's spiritually alive had a then moment. Then that moment when God enters in because we invite him in. And I want to encourage you, if he's knocking, will you open the door to him spiritually? We invite him in. This dead way of living only gets worse. It only, it's like, it may be numbing. And God didn't create you for that. Deep down, you know you were made for more. And that's the sign of the spirit working in you. Are you spiritually dead or alive? And so right now, what I want to do is I want to invite you to surrender your life to Christ and move from death to life. Or maybe you're here today and you're like going, okay, I know at one point, Alex, I was following Jesus, but I've lost my way. I've floated away and I'm ready to recommit my life to God. 
we should be doing this every day anyway, where we recommit our lives to God. We just re-surrender our life to God. And you can do that today and start brand new. You don't have to leave this moment not starting fresh with God. So I want to invite you to pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love for me. You came to this earth and you lived the life I should have lived and you died the death I should have died. Lord, I understand the, the, the impact of sin and, and it's made me numb to people and, and it's made me self-centered. And Lord, I'm just confessing that my sin and admitting that I have been living my own life, a life that's unresponsive to you, dead to you in many ways. And I want to be alive to you. And so I'm asking you to forgive me for my sin. I'm surrendering my life to you right now. I want you to be in charge. I want you to be the one who leads and guides me. And please fill me with your Holy Spirit. Touch my heart and fill me with your breath of life. Make me spiritually alive and help me to take my next steps of faith with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you just prayed with me, uh, would you let us know on on the digital bulletin? Or, in, uh, or put a comment in wherever you're watching us right now. We want to help you take your next steps of faith. It's so important that you don't do this alone, but you do it uh, in community because God made you for community. And I want you to stay f- tuned in right now because we're about to hear the testimonies of those who are being baptized in our in-person service uh, this week. And if you're interested in baptism, as you're thinking and hearing about these things, I want to invite you to let us know that as well. And we will make sure you're invited to the next baptism service. My name is Aaron Alberts. It's hard to remember before knowing Jesus because I was raised in a Christian home uh, my entire life. I was more or less inundated with Christianity. I went to a Christian school. We were in church all the time. Um, Bible studies, uh, you name it, we did it. Um, but I never really had a closeness or a relationship with the Lord uh, growing up just because I think with that inundation with Christianity, it was hard for me to accept and understand a lot of the things that I was hearing and a lot of the expectations that um, Christ had for me. Uh, I, I grew up really believing that the expectation was perfection. And as everybody knows, you can't really meet an expectation of perfection. So um, early on, I really gave up my relationship with the Lord and uh, just became very selfish, very self-absorbed, uh, trying to figure out, you know, if, if Christ expected all of this from me and I can't meet these expectations, what's the point? And that really led me down a road of just a lot of selfishness and just living a very self-absorbed life. I think a key need I was looking for was acceptance. I wanted to be uh, a part of feeling accepted for who I was, being able to be who I was and be loved for who I was. Uh, And I just never found that within the church. I felt like I had to be a certain way in order for the church to look up on me. And if I wasn't that certain way, then I was looked down upon. And a lot of the people that I knew at church every day, I knew who they were outside of church. And when we were in church, they were a completely different person. And that just never sat well with me. I didn't want to be one person in church and then another person outside of church. So I faked it for a long time, but I never felt like I could be accepted there for who I really was. What changed for me, I think it was gaining a true understanding of who God was and what he expected of me and that he wasn't looking for 
perfection and that Christ died for my sins for who I was and not for who he wanted me to be and that he loved me long before I was a great and perfect person. So coming to that realization that God didn't expect me to be great or perfect, he expected me to be who I was and thank him daily for dying on the cross for my sins and that's what he expected of me. Uh, for me it was very gradual. I didn't have a like snap the finger, um, you know, now I'm this completely new and changed person. It was very gradual for me. So uh, I had a lot of remission, you know, being in selfishness, you don't really realize you're being selfish a lot of the time. So um, it was more understanding that when I was being selfish and that uh, making those changes kind of slowly and gradually into becoming a better person for God. So uh, for me, it was the, the immediate change was just an understanding, you know, and and uh, rest, you know, that I could just kind of breathe deeply and say, God accepts me for the sin that I have today and for the sin that I have tomorrow and that he doesn't expect me to be perfect. He just expects me to be better. Uh, and that became my focus. It was just learn more about God, get more in the word and just start to become a better and better person closer and closer in my relationship with him. What's motivating me to get baptized, I think, is um, just the deeper understanding that, uh, that I've failed, that I'm a failure, and that Christ has redeemed me and set me free, uh, that I don't have to be anything except what God expects me to be, and that I can continue to focus on that and become a better person for Him. My name's Aaron Alberts, and I'm ready to get baptized. My name is Eli Garwood. Before I knew Jesus, I was like going to church weekly and uh, you know, I kind of was just going there to go there, not really like getting much out of it. And then I uh, started to, you know, attend the adult church with like my mom as I got older. And um, that's when I started to like dive into uh, the gospel and that's when it all clicked. Hearing other people's stories of like, how they like uh, got to know Christ, it just made me think about like, well, like what's mine and like what's my future gonna be? I, over time, you know, just kind of prepared and uh, got ready, like listening to the Bible more, like reading it more and like, uh, like going to church and listening to it, like I started to think like there's a difference between how I've viewed church in the past and now. At first, I, you know, was like going there to go there because I was being forced to. Um, whereas, like now, I was like, you know, I wanted to like go see my friends and like learn more about Jesus. I was actually at like Bear Lake Bible Camp, and uh, we were like uh, at the campfire, and um, people were sharing their uh, I don't know, story of like how they got to know Christ and it like influenced me um, to like uh, set my path and like uh, know Christ too. My hopes after getting baptized are to um, maintain faith and uh, keep uh, going to church and uh, eventually teaching younger kids 
um, to get to know God better, whether that means I'm like playing a role in church or just telling my own kids one day. I wanted to get baptized because when I was listening to these other people's uh, testimonials, um, them standing up and sharing how they got to know Jesus, it influenced me to, you know, kind of eventually do the same. I feel like uh, kind of collectively they all added up and, um, you know, it showed me that, you know, there's not just like one or two people, like this is a greater um, deal. My name's Eli Garwood and I'm ready to get baptized. Something really funny that happened when I was a little kid. So I was like about two or three years old. My mom and dad were talking to me. Hey, you know what, Hales, we're gonna talk to you about your savior and if you wanna get, if you wanna be saved and if you wanna ask him to come into your heart. So she was talking to me about it and then when she's done talking, I, she's like, hey Hales, you want, you want him to be your savior? I'm like, nope, just walks on out. So. Now I have that story going on inside my head, just like, why did I do that? That changed at the age of four. I hear stories about it, I don't quite remember it too well, but I remember that exactly, it had to be less than five, because when I was five, I prayed for a sister. Maybe see, I got one. So, yeah, voila. <laughs> so, that happened, and so I, I think it was like a year before that that I decided you know what God I want you to be my savior so I was praying to him inside my bedroom I was like yeah I'm good now <laughs> I I know that he's saved me now and now I'm gonna go into heaven when I get older I kind of want control sometimes when I'm like mad I'm like I want control over this so I want control and security I freak out sometimes I like, I get scared at night. I'm not much of a shadow person, so. I've heard so many stories, watched so many shows of like bad things happening. So I feel like that's gonna happen to me. Cause I mean, th that happens to other people. There's like car crashes, there's break-ins and stuff like that. So that freaks me out and I want security so that that doesn't happen. My parents tell me, you're fine, you're gonna be fine. My head exaggerating, I have too much creativity. See, there's a right amount of creativity, there's too less of creativity, and too much. I have too much because I exaggerate bad things. Not good things anymore, it's bad things. I want Jesus to help me through that type of thing. I want him to help me control my anger and fear and my emotions. Because it's hard to do that by myself. So, I want someone to help me and I want someone to talk to all the time that isn't like an actual like person that I can physically talk to like that. So, and I want someone who will actually listen and not talk back to something like that. Cause I mean, I try to talk to people and they like try to like say like, you have to do this or have to do that to make yourself feel better. Well, you're not helping me in that conversation right now. I've been wanting to get baptized for a lot of years. I've heard about my family and other people getting baptized. I've heard more stories the more I've been getting into baptism. So this year I'm like, you know what, today's a new year. I mean, this year's a new year, so I want to get baptized. So I decided, you know what, God, I want to be able to talk to you about this and be able to have you with me all the time. 
So now he's going to be with me when I get baptized all the time. <laughs> and I'm actually going to know it. Because, I mean, sometimes I get into those conversations and I don't know that God's with me. And I want to make sure that I'm always making God feel better. I mean, he doesn't feel bad or feel good, but I want to be able to know that I can make God happy. I'm Haley Alberts and I'm ready to get baptized. Before I committed my life to Jesus, I was always, I've always grown up in a Christian home. Um, I've always been surrounded with church and prayers and talking about God. So it's never really been like a, oh, that exists kind of moment. Like it's always been like there and I've just been surrounded by it. I remember um, when I was diagnosed with ADD, I remember being so insecure about it. I didn't want it to be, I didn't want it to be talked about it or I didn't want it to be talked about. I did not want to like mention it. I hated talking about it. I felt so insecure. I was like, I felt different and I hated it. And I was like, man, like I'm gonna start crying. Um, <laughs> I remember just hating it about me. And I was like, I like, I'm different. Like, people are going to think I'm weird. They're going to think that they're not going to want to hang out with me, whatever. Just little kid, dumb mentality. But um, I, after I realized, I was talking to my parents about it, and they were, like, helping me with, like, medications and therapy. And, um, like, I realized that it's normal for people to have, that be diagnosed with stuff like that. And I realized that a lot of people that I hold very close to me have anxiety or, or suffer with um, mental illnesses. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like it was a realization moment. Like, that's okay. Like, I don't need to be ashamed of it. I was talking to God about it. I was like, hey, like, can you help me accept this about myself? Can I be okay with this about myself? Like, help me through this. Like, it's normal, but I just need to work through actually believing it. I was always worried about what I was wearing, how I perceived myself on the outside, what, like, how could I change myself on the outside to make people like me more? And I just feel like that's not what my purpose is. I feel like the right people will love me as I am. And I didn't realize that then. Um, so that took away from my relationship with God because I which wasn't focused on him and how he sees me and how I should love myself as he loves me because I was focusing on trying to change myself, become someone I'm not to fit in with these stereotypes or groups of kids that I don't even care about. <laughs> me being baptized and my everything with the past and whatever, um, those are all connected by just realizing that I can let that part of myself go, that I've grown into a different person. I've learned things the hard way <laughs> um, that I am able to be me. And I feel like God has helped me through the battles that I didn't even realize through when I didn't even ask him to do anything. He still helped me let go of those people. He still helped me realize that I need to love myself. That, um, everything along those lines, really. And I feel like that he's helped me so much that I don't even know. I still don't know. Um, so I'd like to get baptized to represent that and how much he's helped me and how much he will continue to help me. I'm Madison Holland. I'm ready to get baptized. Wasn't that awesome? Uh, Aaron, Eli, Haley, Madison, we're so proud of you and excited for what God's doing in your life and going to do in this 
these next steps you take with God. And if you were inspired and want to uh, see more of the baptisms that we just shared, the testimonies of those people, you can go on our Facebook page and see pictures of the baptism service that they were a part of. God bless. We'll see you soon.